0: Welcome to the ASCD Connect Podcast, supporting you on your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host for today's program. The pandemic years have had a devastating effect on the teaching profession, causing low morale, burnout, and signs of significant attrition and shortages in many districts. How policymakers and educational leaders address this crisis could be one of the most important questions in education today. I'm Anthony Rabora, the Editor-in-Chief of ASED's Educational Leadership. To talk with me about this issue, I'm joined today by Linda Darling-Hammond, Professor of Education at Stanford University and Founding President of the Learning Policy Institute. She is a well-known expert on education policy in the teaching profession and the author of many influential books in the field. She has also written a must-read article in the October issue of Educational Leadership titled Breaking the Legacy of Teacher Shortages. Welcome, Professor Darling-Hammond. It's great to have you on our program.
1: Great to be here.
0: So in your article, you note that teaching shortages are not new by any means. Uh, You say that they are a chronic part of U.S. education, uh, unfortunately. But in your view, how is the crisis in the profession that we are seeing now in the wake of the pandemic different from shortages in the past? Are there particular areas or issues we should be paying attention to?
1: The pandemic has sort of raised to the surface many of the failings of schools that were there before, but... Uh, became so much more obvious and there's been uh sort of a vicious cycle of growing challenges to well being and mental health. Uh you know, the uh, additional work of going online and then, you know, having kids come back and dealing with testing and COVID and all of that, but the trauma that kids have experienced and teachers have experienced as well, uh, the need to uh, deal with substitute shortages and other teacher shortages uh, and the fact that the factory model schools that we've inherited weren't designed to provide the sort of social and emotional supports that both adults and children need. Uh, And the realization for a lot of teachers that this system, the way it's currently designed, uh, is deeply flawed and cannot support me in being effective with students uh, for those who are in these factory model schools is I think part of what's causing a type of exodus from the profession that goes beyond the issues of salaries which are important and you know general working conditions that are important to the issue of what kind of schools are we going to have that enable teachers to teach effectively in a whole child context and enable students? Uh, to be attended to effectively uh, in that context.
0: I see. Yeah, so it's really a sort of perfect storm. So getting back to the system problems, uh, why have we as a country, in your view, struggled so much with recurring teacher shortages and high turnover? What do you see as the main barriers standing in the way of our addressing these things?
1: Well, in the United States, we have not adopted a view of teaching as a profession, uh, as some other countries Uh, that have moved far ahead of us have done where we see teaching as uh, a profession that should uh, pay teachers as well as other college-educated professionals. It's about uh, an 80% um, uh, ratio to those other professionals where we uh, ensure that they get access to high-quality professional preparation that sees them as... um, engaged in the complex work that they are engaged in that requires deep knowledge of both learners and learning and uh, many, many uh, strategies for dealing with a complex form of professional work uh, where we uh, see the need for ongoing supports for learning and mentoring uh, and where we create the working conditions that allow for uh, efficacious practice Uh, And so we've still uh, got a a view of teachers as, you know, something uh, more like babysitters uh, in the ways in which many states pay and treat teachers and uh, lack of access to the knowledge and skills that are needed for this highly complex job. Uh, If we were in Finland or Singapore, a teacher would go to a high-quality preparation program free of charge, earn as much as other professionals, get mentoring and professional development, uh, have a work week that includes uh, about 20 hours for you know collaborative planning and learning and grading and work with parents and students uh, and be highly respected in the society. We're far from that in many states in the U.S.,
0: Right, and that's what and that's what you address in the article. You uh, you outline what you call a Marshall Plan for education, which would be a large-scale, multi-pronged federal initiative to rebuild the profession. And you call for increased investment in recruitment and retention, better preparation and professional development, leadership opportunities, and school design changes. I do encourage people to read the article. But what do you say to those who would argue that we just don't have the money for this type of you know wholesale reform in light of all the other things going on with COVID, uh, or that this would just create more bureaucracy and red tape for schools and for people trying to get into the profession?
1: Well, uh, first of all, the amount of money needed to do this is a tiny fraction of what we have just uh, seen spent on COVID relief, for example, and on um, the recurring natural disasters that we're now experiencing. Uh, So the trillions of dollars that we're spending um, on a variety of other needs Uh, are uh, many, many, many times more than what we would need to uh, just bring teachers into the profession in a way that allows them to become well-prepared without debt uh, and be uh, recognized as uh, important public service who deserve a reasonable level of um, compensation. Uh, That entire package would be far less than $100 billion. And, you know, we've just passed trillions of dollars in these other areas. And the more important point is that making the investments that are needed, which other countries do make routinely, in having a well-prepared and financially supported educator workforce would yield us enormous benefits and savings Around other things that we invest in education, in ways that are penny wise and pound foolish, because uh, you know teaching is the profession on which all other professions depend. Nothing works in education well unless you have a stable, a diverse set of well prepared teachers who are able to enact it. And so we end up spending a lot of money. On the failures of a system that does not invest in teachers adequately. Uh, those costs are for the additional remediation and summer school and grade retention and uh, various forms of failure that uh, children experience when they haven't had access to uh, sophisticated high quality teaching. Uh, and so, you know, this would actually save us a lot of money in the long run uh, and a lot of avoid a lot of failure that we otherwise experience. Uh,
0: so I found it interesting in the piece, you focus quite a bit and in your plan on, you focus quite a bit on strengthening teacher preparation, including putting an emphasis on specialized residency style programs. And this is actually at odds with the way teaching teachers are often addressed in states where uh, preparation requirements are curtailed or abandoned completely so that they could get more people into the profession. Uh, why are more in-depth and more specialized teaching prep programs so critical in your view?
1: Well, again, to be an effective teacher, uh, you need to know uh, a tremendous amount, not about just the sort of knowledge base of teaching and the theories behind how kids learn and effective teaching occurs, but you have to be able to put it into practice. You have to be able to see it, touch it, feel it, you know, understand how these many goals are pursued at once. So uh, extended clinical practice under the wing of expert veterans is critically important. We need to get to a place very soon where every teacher gets at least a full year of extended clinical practice in the classroom of an expert veteran, hopefully in a school that's designed to support them in learning to teach. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, just a small bit of what we now provide for um, people in the medical profession. And... Uh, To the point about the way we normally deal with shortages, which is to hire people who have little or no preparation, who then leave at very high rates, Um, one estimate is that uh, unprepared teachers leave at two to three times the rate in the early years of teaching as those who are fully prepared, then that's another piece of... um, pennywise pound foolish spending because uh, every time we have to replace a teacher who leaves, it costs about $20,000 just for that replacement process. Uh, And we also know that student achievement is undermined by high attrition rates. Uh, The shortages themselves are a function of high attrition rates because nine out of every 10 teachers we hire each year are hired to replace someone who left the year before. So by not making that investment uh, in a much more successful outcome, we continually throw good money after bad in the churn that is otherwise um, the result of our uh, solutions.
0: So what advice do you have for school leaders who are dealing with shortages or morale problems in their schools or districts and might not have the, the policy levers to control?
1: First of all, I would say you know that teachers respond to whatever enables them to be more effective in their work. And uh, among the levers that everyone has access to is the collaboration with teachers, the opportunity to hear what is on their minds and to uh, respond, at least with respect to the ways in which teachers get the opportunity to do local problem solving around those immediate Um, problems of practice. Uh, In states where districts are underfunded for the the needs that they have for compensation and uh, better working conditions, local leaders need to be very articulate uh, in uh, advocating along with teachers for those conditions. I think that It's important to join hands as well with parents in the community around how these investments can both be secured and how teachers can be helped to know how valuable uh, and important they are. Uh, That will actually go a good part of the way towards improving retention, even as we deal with these broader policy issues that we need everyone to be articulating uh, and um, advocating for if we're going to change the system.
0: And what advice might you have for teachers, particularly new teachers? Is there a way that they can really uh, ensure that they're thriving in the profession?
1: Well, one of the things that uh, we do in the teacher education program I've been involved in at Stanford University is ensure that teachers learn to uh, be in collaboration and community with their colleagues, uh, how to work in that way and share um, thoughts and ideas and feedback and uh, and, and assistance, uh, but also how to reach out to one another for resources, for assistance, for help, uh, and that collegial context is so important to the well-being of teachers. The other thing we need teachers to understand is that their well-being matters, that they need to take time for themselves to center and uh, and, and feed themselves the um, kind of um, emotional support that, that they need along with their students. Uh, and that uh, they should take it a day at a time. There's a tendency for teachers who really want to meet every need of every child to experience compassion fatigue, to experience, you know, sort of self-criticism around uh, each thing that they couldn't manage to do in a given day because the job can be overwhelming. So it's very important for teachers to uh, be self-supportive and understand that each day is a new day, that uh, every time you um, uh, express concern for kids, they hear it and feel it and will work with you to uh, achieve the goals that you share together.
0: That sounds like really good advice. So getting back to your article, uh, you say, and I'm quoting you here, the moment may be ripe right now for a set of transformations needed to develop a true education profession in this country. Why do you feel that? Why do you think optimistically about that right now?
1: Uh, I think that, you know, the amount of disruption that we have had uh, because of the pandemic uh, has created a set of crises and the crisis in um, teacher supply is part of it uh, that is causing a wake up call. People are having to pay attention to the policy issues that have been set aside really for most of the last two decades. Uh, and I think that it's a timely moment for us to make leapfrog progress, both in the design of schools and in the design of the profession and in the investments that we that we make to uh, actualize those realities. And so uh, it's a time that certainly is a moment of crisis, but it is out of such moments that major change occurs and it requires – Many voices raised together around the nature of the problem and the nature of the uh, solutions that allows that progress to be made. I think we're in a moment where uh, people are listening, and if there is a strong voice from the profession, it can be heard.
0: Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise, Linda. And thanks to all those listening. To read Linda Darling Hammond's article in the October 2022 issue of Educational Leadership, go to www.ascd.orgslash el.